Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 74 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today I have with me a survivor and she's going to share her story and her name is Catherine. So welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thanks, Natalie. Okay, so the first question is, how did you meet your husband and did you notice any red flags before you got married to him? Yeah, um, we actually met in college. Um, I kind of laughed because I was being as rebellious as my rule following self would be. Um, and I was at, we were through fraternity sorority things, which I really wasn't supposed to be hanging out with the frat guys, according to my parents. Um, I didn't party at all, but it was, it was the heart of it. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be there. But he, that's where we met. Um, I think at the time, looking back, uh, he was a little immature, um, which I really didn't think was a big deal because we were all young. I guess looking right. back, it's like, notice somebody's immature. That's probably a bad sign. Um, that time, he didn't have a great work ethic, and he and he was newly converted, according to his, his himself. That's what he told me. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, there were probably more glaring red flags that I kind of skipped over. Um, like, he was kind of pushy a little bit physically. Um, more than I probably wanted to be or felt like was right. Um, he was very dramatic, like very over the top dramatic. Um, I guess I just hadn't been around a guy like that. So it was kind of intriguing, but looking back, I was like, that's probably a really, <laughs> a really good red flag. Yeah. Um, and I think definitely looking back, I thought what he like was, what he presented as private was probably more deceptive about himself. Um, you know, if I asked questions, and it was kind of this, oh, I don't really want to talk about that. I take that as just being private instead of being like, well, I'm just not going to tell you about that part of myself, um, which is funny, but he actually lived at home for a while. And so then looking back on, um, we dated for several years, but I could never use his bathroom when we went to his house. Like, even if he knew I was coming, he never cleaned his bathroom. And looking back, I was like, that's, that's like a thing. Like you couldn't <laughs> clean a space for me to go to the bathroom. <laughs> That is a thing. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I guess in my mind, I was like, well, some people are just messy and, you know, you're, right. I like to call it glitter painted. And, it, you know, at the moment it wasn't a big deal. But looking back, I was like, that, that was a bad thing. Kind of strange. Okay. So what were some of the ways then after you got married, what were some of the ways that he emotionally or spiritually abused you throughout the course of your marriage? Yeah, it was, it was funny thinking about this. I was like, it's almost hard to like narrow down. I could kind of give you an example from lots of places. Um, I know spiritually, a lot of what is probably was the most imaging was he would use verses to condemn me um, when I questioned him or disagreed. And um, there was a lot, he was, he was very intelligent. So it was very, he was very easy for him to pull out scriptures and be like, oh, well, you're, you're doing this or you're, you're, you know, you're in this sin now. And you know, switch the focus to how horrible I was. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he was really good at quoting back to me. Like if I had ever confessed like a struggle or, you know, a flaw that I saw in myself, he was really good at parroting those back to me in the right moments of, Oh, look at you. You know, you said you had that problem. Now look, here you are doing it again. 
<laughs> he was really good at that. Um, I think also spiritually, he made going to church so enjoyable. Um, I was converted from an early age and have always, like Sunday is completely sacred to me. I have always loved going to church and being there. And I, my days kind of set apart in ways. And he just made it so enjoyable. Like looking back, he he never helped get the kids ready, which was kind of okay. I'm like, okay, well, I could do that. But then he would intentionally wait to get ready or he would wait till I said, okay, well, I'm going to go get in the shower. And then he'd be like, well, I'm going to go first and then make us late. <laughs> mm. And it just, yeah, it was just really, that was really, I didn't realize it until we kind of separated. I was like, wow, he made sense. I don't know if it was, I don't even know if it was a conscious effort on his part, but it was just like the one day that I was like, I, I need us to be on time. And he yeah. just wouldn't do it. At one point I did say, let's take, like I would start leaving him and I started taking separate cars. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, when we got to church, people were asking, why are y'all in separate cars? Which sent right. his, sent him reeling of like, we can't do that. People are talking and you know, you're making well, us look bad. And <laughs> Yeah. Well, my husband's in the shower still. Hey, if you don't want to take separate showers, get cars, then take a shower sooner. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but I ended up kind of just hating going to church. And yeah, I just had I had never actually felt that way my entire I mean my entire life. I mean, 30-something years. And it was the first time in the last couple of years that we were married that I was like, the this feels awful to go to church. Yeah. But I think he knew, you know, he knew my faith was a rock for me. And I don't know how conscious he was or intentionally he was trying to tear that down, but it was like the one place that I could go and find solace. And I feel like he, he went after that, you know, even if it wasn't intentionally, it was just somewhere that he had to go. Mm -hmm. So, but um, yeah, I mean, that's really, to me, that was kind of one of the hardest points was because you kind of can't help it. You start to see your, I don't, I don't know if everybody does that, but I felt like I did looking back if it was, I saw this abuser who saw nothing but my flaws and nothing but what I did wrong. And, you know, almost, almost like you're almost like God kind of morphs into that, you know, almost like the Israelites kind of saw God as a Pharaoh because they just couldn't get out of that mindset. Right. If I felt kind of like, you know, God was kind of that way too. of constantly being like, Oh geez, Catherine, look, you screwed up again. Like here you are, same sin, same, you know, character flaw or whatever. And um, I, I think that was, you know, spiritually, that was probably the most damaging thing was just to start. I don't, I don't know why my brain did that, but it just morphed God into this constantly disappointed, constantly angry kind of presence or completely far away. You know, it's like if my husband could get mad at me and not talk to me for three days, then maybe God felt that way too. Yep. Yep. I think that's so common for women. I, I definitely can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, and you know, I know for me, I was constantly like begging, like, give me the grace, make me better. Um, you know, help me to be pleasing to my husband, help me to be a light to my family, you know, to be, um, something that brings life. Cause you kind of feel like you, well, the way he made me feel was I was the poison in our family. Yeah. And then I was poisoning everything instead of breathing life into it. And it's just hard because you're begging and crying out for years and years, you know, and there's just nothing. And you're like, well, maybe maybe God has turned his face for me. And, um, you know, we went as far as to think of like, well, maybe I'm not a Christian. Like maybe God didn't love me. Yes. <laughs> all these yes. years. 
I did. I thought the same thing. I remember thinking, literally, I thought these words, maybe I'm just a Christian wannabe because I, we went to mm-hmm. Piper's church and he taught that, you know, um, it was the Calvinist theology and they teach that, you know, if God chooses you, if you're one of the elect, then you're, then you're a Christian, then you will become a Christian. And if you're not, then it doesn't matter even if you want to, you just won't be. And I just, I, I was terrified at that point thinking, Maybe I'm just a Christian wannabe and God hasn't chosen me. It was one of the darkest points of my life, right. I think. So right. yeah, it's really yeah. sad. So sad. So what, what did you what, do? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Was it, well, I was going to say, I, one of the, I feel like I talked about spiritual. One of the, it was really funny. I was sitting, sitting thinking about it. Like the one glaring example I have for like emotional abuse, just if someone's having hard kind of tangibly grasping that was early on when we were married, he actually, um, he, he loved the phrase, I can't believe this is who I'm married, which is very cutting to me. But uh-huh. what one instant was um, he actually quit wearing his wedding ring for a while. And I'm sure I didn't communicate this the best. But like I went to him and I was like, you know, I get it. Some people don't wear wedding rings. Maybe I'm just insecure. You know, you try to go in there with that like meek personality. Like it really hurts my feelings that you're choosing to not wearing, not to wear your wedding ring. And his first instinct was to just furious. Like he was just so furious. I brought it up. And then all of a sudden the conversation turned to him crying and him being like, I can't believe you're accusing me of doing something. I never even look at other women. And, um, you know, it was that. And then it was just how horrible I was that I was making assumptions about him. And I can't believe, you know, there was that phrase, I can't believe who I married. And looking back, I was like, okay, so the inventory of this conversation was he wasn't wearing his wedding ring. And I told him, hey, that hurts my feelings. And his first reaction was to be confrontational. And then he blamed me for it. And then he made accusations about how I felt being hurt by him not wearing his wedding ring. Mm -hmm. And so I left that conversation feeling guilty for having accused him of something and feeling ashamed for being, quote unquote, insecure because he was choosing I was like, that is said, I was like, that, that, that's it. Like that, that sums up any big issue we had. That's how it went. That that's, I'm so glad you shared that and spelled that out. Cause I know there's women out there listening, going, that is exactly what I experience on a regular basis. And to the other thing, the comment, you know, look who I'm married. I can't believe I'm married to you is such a, it, what, what that's basically saying is I can't believe I was so stupid to marry someone like you? Like what, right. what was I ever thinking that I would ever marry someone as what fill in the blank as you are? It implies so much degradation and shame placed on the other person. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what coping strategies did you use? <laughs> how did you get through the, how, and how many years were you in that? Um, so we were married before it was final. We, we actually crossed over our, our 11th year, but we were separated by that point. So it was like 10 and a half full years. Um, and it was a progressive, it was definitely a progressive thing, but we had a lot, we accomplished a lot in 10 years. Um, we have three kids, had three miscarriages. Both of his parents died before we were 30. It was, a, it was a lot. <laughs> So, but it was a progress for him. I definitely felt like it was a progressive, it progressively got worse and worse. Like looking back, I'm like, okay, he started gaslighting me. Like when we were dating really bad on our honeymoon and then it just 
snowballed from there. But um, so coping strategies. Oh gosh, I'm sure if there's a master list, I could probably check off all of them, Natalie. I really think I probably could. <laughs> um, I mean, anything from, you know, I guess if you want to say it's more minor, uh, definitely turned to food. That was a thing. Um, and he only liked really bad junk food and, you know, to not deal with his rage. That's what we ate because it was just easier to not fight about the food, mm. um, which did not help. Five foot three me <laughs> stay mm. healthy. Um, I became depressed. I spent time throwing myself into, you know, all those supposedly wonderful marriage help Christians do better mm-hmm. books. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I kept, what I've decided is over the years, I was really just grasping for, for hope. Like I just needed hope that it would get better, that he would find love for me or, you know, find something favorable about me to at least bring out kindness and really what I was doing was I was treating hope like it was grace that like if I hoped enough if I worked enough that God would give him the grace to be different and that's really really where that kind of fell down mm-hmm. but I mean I guess at the some of the lower points I mean that depression really took over I hadn't struggled with it when I was younger but I actually at one point um started cutting and um it was, it was crazy. I mean, I remember it's, it's so funny how long you'll stay in even after you realize you've gone off the deep end. Cause I can remember thinking, cause it was always the same. He'd always had the same complaints just over and over and over again. It was always this huge deal. Even if it was like a minor thing that I forgot to do or, you know, dinner wasn't ready when you walked in the door or whatever. But I can remember having this thought process of like it, maybe if I can put scars on my skin, I can yes. remember what upsets him. Yeah. It was like, a, you know, and, with them, it's always constantly changing too. So it's not like you could ever actually accomplish that. But, um, and there was kind of a point in there where I realized he really didn't love me because it's the, I started to get scared that I was cutting. And I don't know why. I guess you think that if they can see har- you harming yourself like that, that they'll snap out of whatever it is they're doing. And so stupid of me told him at one point, like, hey, I'm scared. I've started doing this. I don't want to do that you know, can you please, if you have issues with me, just address them with more kindness. Like, don't, you don't have to like, not tell me I'm doing something wrong. Just be gentle or kind about it or whatever. Don't yell something. Mm-hmm. And, um, he ended up yelling at me. He ended up telling me that I was being melodramatic and I just needed attention. And then, um, maybe a week later, it became this like pretty little bookend to his fights with me of, well, I wish you would just slit your wrist and then I wouldn't have to be married to you. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's where we were. I'm so um, sorry. I'm so sorry yeah, well, that you had to go through that. Yeah, I, it's I, just, yeah. go ahead. And I mean, it, it, you know, I guess at its lowest point, um, you know, I mean, I truly became suicidal, like, it, which is crazy. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, I hit all these like really low spots. And then it's like, okay, like God, God was always there in, the, in that mess, which is amazing. But it was like, you know, I was truly suicidal at one point. And he yelled at me, you know, and I don't know why. You get in these, like, upswings with them and you think, oh, we're making progress. So I'm going to tell you this really dark time because it's going to help you understand where I was. And he yelled at me about that. And I could have saved him from being married to me if I had just gone through with my plan. And he just, yeah, he wasn't a very nice person. (laughs) No, no, that's an understatement. So when did you, when did you 
I mean, did you ever think, think about the word abuse? When did you ever, when did you finally realize, I think this is abusive and this is not something that I can do anymore? Yeah, it, well, it was kind of a long process and probably what I consider to be my rock bottom. Um, I actually, um, you know, I was completely isolated from my family. He did a good job of that. Um, definitely felt away from God, but I was working at that point. And I, I mean, I say it's an affair. It was emotional. There wasn't really any physical to it, but I've really had feelings for this, this other man. And that's kind of where my rock bottom was. And so I have this really bittersweet relationship with that sin because it was wholly wrong. But I remember it so clear. It was so vivid. It was this moment of he told a joke and I laughed really hard. And then I just shut down and started profusely apologizing for laughing. Mm. And he looked at me and he said, I just told a joke to make you laugh. And then you laughed. And now you can't look me in the eyes. I, I don't really understand what happened. And it was just this like light bulb moment of like, I'm not, I'm not allowed to laugh wow. at home. Like I'm, I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed. And then it was like, the, I'm not allowed to laugh. Like, what, what is that? Um, and so that was, um, you know, it was, again, it was wrong, but it was also like the light bulb that kind of went off and in my desperate grasp for hope for something, because you really get that your husband doesn't love you, you know, yeah. given our history. And you really feel like God doesn't love you. It's kind of like, well, this person is at least nice to me and likes being around me. Um, So I grabbed an idol and thought that that would help. Um, And as God and his mercy does, he exposes all of our things. And it really went on for about three months. And then my ex-husband found out about it, which exploded everything um, and caused a lot of cognitive dissonance because I have this guy who doesn't want me. I'm married to this person who doesn't want me who consistently talks about he was she I'd killed myself. And all of a sudden there's a switch of, I love you. I can't believe you betrayed me. Um, it was really a moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm I was crazy. Like, because I had that moment of like, I was crazy. Like all this was in my head. It wasn't that bad. Look how much he loved you, how heartbroken he is. It was weird. Um, but I found Flying Free and I read Leslie Vernick's book. And that was probably probably where it really started to click of like, this is abusive. Like this is, I'm not crazy. I didn't make all this up. It's not, it's not in my head. These are real issues and real problems and um, things that have to, things that absolutely have to change. Um, Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of where I was. Um, One of the biggest things I think for me was I had, I had been with y'all I hadn't joined Flying Free, but had been with the group and reading your stuff and um, started reading through the books um, about emotional abuse. And I decided that I really just, I was homeschooling three kids. Ex was in the house all the time um, because he wasn't working. And I was like, I just need, I just need space. Um, And I have, I have a mentor and she was, she has this farm out in the middle of nowhere. And she's like, so I was like, I just need time away from it. And she's like, go to my farm. Like, just go out there, do what you need to do. So I actually took a weekend of solitude. Nobody else was out there. I prayed and I fasted. And it was kind of one of those, felt like Jacob. I was like, this is it, God. I am not letting go until you bless me, until you fix this marriage. Um, 
And I think it was so beautiful as that. <laughs> the first night there, it was like, I was like ready. And it was, <laughs> I laugh because I don't usually pray out loud, but I found myself, I was actually almost like screaming inside of this cabin by myself, talking to God. And um, it was just, it ended up being this really beautiful. I mean, it was just so clear in my mind. It was like, I had my hands in God's robes. And I was like, you're going to fix this. Um, it's not going to fall apart. And it was this moment of, it was like, I, it hit me. He hit me so hard with it. Of, there I am, got my hands in his robes. And it's like, when your toddler starts throwing a fit and you're holding him in your arms and you're smiling because you're like, I love you anyway. You just yeah. put your fit. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what it felt like. Um, that he wasn't warring with me. He was holding me mm-hmm. and he had been holding me the whole time. Um, and that was, that was kind of the moment that I was like, okay, like, I don't know where you're going with this. I don't know how it's going to pan out, but God has me and I can trust that. Um, it was beautiful. It ended up being a great weekend. It kind of restored that relationship that I thought had been lost um, with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that was really good. That was, that was kind of my, my long, that was like a whole year long process of really coming to terms with this is not a good relationship. This is an abusive relationship. I'm probably going to have to get out of this relationship was kind of how that went. So what, so then what happened after that then? And, and, and did you, I mean, obviously you filed for divorce. Um, and then how did things go after that? Yeah, we, yeah, well we, so I did that weekend away and, um, it was kind of funny because I think God just goes, he just blesses, like he just, he must laugh at me because I was like, okay, like I'm going to set these really strong boundaries with him. And if he's still not shaping up by, you know, this date, then I'll ask him to at least move out. And um, so that, you know, he blew through every boundary that I set. And that day came, came and went. And then something really terrible happened. And then I was like, okay, okay. Like, I get it. Are you sure, God? Like, are you really sure that this isn't going to just magically turn around and set some more boundaries? And then that day kind of came and went. And he really, really did some stuff. And then we separated. And then I filed for divorce. But um, that's kind of, I feel like God was just like kind of laughing along being like, I'm very clearly closing these doors for you, Catherine. <laughs> How bad does it have to get, right? Yeah. And it was really funny. It was like every time I set a deadline, I was like, oh, but you know, he could, he could change, you know, because I mean, that's all you hear, right? Hold on to your little right. ounces of hope. Right. That he's going to change. And um, every time I let it go, it was like something worse happened. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> So is your divorce final? It is final. It was final in January. Okay. And how, um, how have things gotten better since you got out of that relationship? Um, oh, goodness. Um, I think so, God was really good. He gave me something very tangible with um, someone who has to kind of go back to places and be like, you know, you're doing the right thing. Um, I think he just knows me well enough and knows that I need that. Something that was extremely tangible for me was um, the day I filed for divorce and told him, I told him in a safe setting, um, but I told him and I got back to the car and I was crying so hard and it was, and all of a sudden I took this deep breath and it was just this huge, it was like, I didn't even realize I had been carrying this jagged rock in my chest that made every breath painful. And I mean, still six months later, 
I still like every time I just take this deep breath of like, I physically do not feel that rock anymore. That's amazing. <laughs> and it was just, it is, it has been a huge blessing to just, you know, you get caught up in the doing mediation and doing all that kind of stuff. And, um, it's just, that was, that was huge. Um, I've already started to see a difference in my kids. Um, I have a 10 year old who's the oldest and him, it's like seeing him come back to the little kid that he was. He's smiling, he's laughing, he's doing more things and interacting with people. And um, I feel like with that, you know, I feel like your kids hold you tight, you know, you don't want to mess them up, but I really feel like they're getting better. Like they're still angry. They're angry at me. They're used to me fixing everything, mm-hmm. but you're, I'm still seeing these glimpses of like, Oh, that's, that's who you were before all of this craziness set into your little personality. Yep. Yep. And as you heal and get stronger, that's going to just totally rub off on them. And you're all just going to be able to exhale really it's just going to get better and better that i mean it's so inter- ironic actually that so many women are that's one of their biggest fears is that especially if they have little kids is that their little kids are going to you know go to hell in a handbasket and turn out bad and the statistics just do not show that anymore and gretchen baskerville author of life saving divorce goes into all of that in her book but um, I don't see that either. I don't see that in the in the lives of my younger kids. My younger kids are so much happier and so much freer. They don't spend all their time with me. They go back and forth, but they get that break because there is such a there is such a kind of an oppress an oppressive feeling when you're around someone who's negative and who's constantly criticizing you and constantly saying no. There, it's it's oppressive, and they feel it. And when they're at my home, there is, we don't have that, there's no feeling like that. It's just, it's free. They can be who they want to. They can have a meltdown and nobody's going to criticize them or, you know, make them feel like they're a subhuman because they're children and they act like children. Yeah. I hope that encourages somebody out there listening who's, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not encouraging everyone to get a divorce. Um, I'm, I encourage people to make their own choice about that. But if you are, if you do need to get out of a relationship and you're, and the one thing that's holding you back is your kids, it's, it's do some more research and cause Absolutely. you might find out that you're, that the reality of it. And, and here's the thing too, if you want to put a spiritual spin on it, you know, the enemy, he all, everything is always the opposite of what's true with, with the enemy. And so he's going to say, he's going to tell you lies that are the exact opposite of what's actually going to, what actually is on the other side. He's going to make you think that if you cross that river, that you're going to get to the other side and it's going to be even worse than it is now. And it's just, the opposite is true. Yeah. And something I actually told myself a lot um, was that I cannot make a decision or make a mistake that will ultimately change God's plans for my children. I'm just not that powerful. Like God, right. God works through all of that. And that was something I just really clung to of like, you know, I maybe I don't know what's best or I'm going to make mistakes trying to help them heal and move forward. But ultimately, God loves my children and I, and I can't change his plans for them. Not, not with anything that I do. Right. 
Okay. So what, if you could go back and, and talk to your younger self, what is one thing that you learned through this whole process that you would let her know? Um, I think one of just the biggest things is truly getting down to the nitty gritty of who, who you are in Christ and that you are this just beloved child all the time because of, of Christ. And it's, you know, that moment you lose the truth about who you are, you become an easy target for sin. Um, in my, in my marriage, it losing that identity also helped my husband continue in what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of that, like, I don't claim like respect because of who I am or some merit, but because of who, who God is and who he made me to be. You know, the God of the universe, creator of all, the mighty one, the just judge of all the earth, the Alpha and the Omega, the all-knowing, the all-seeing, holy, holy, holy God says, I have intrinsic, undeniable, priceless worth, and I'm due kindness and respect because of that, and on that alone. I think that's, I wish I had that confidence and strength years ago. (laughs) That's beautiful. It really is the key to healing is finally coming into your true identity of who you are and learning how to embrace that person that God created you to be because your spouse is not embracing that person. Your spouse is actually, he's, he's, um, he's putting graffiti all over your personhood and it's graffiti that says horrible, horrible things about you. And he's just defacing the creation of God. And that is just not God's plan for his daughters at all. It's got, that's not God's plan for any of his daughters or his sons. So anyway, I, okay. So one last question, what, what piece of advice would you give to someone who's listening right now and wondering if they should leave? Think there's so, there's so many things that I felt like I learned. I think for me, it was that being patient, it does still take a lot of waiting, even when you're trying to make that decision. You know, if you can be physically safe and, and take it step by step and, and kind of have those conversations with the Lord of like, okay, this is, this is what I'm looking for. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to change, not an ultimate, not an ultimatum, but just that like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Show, make it clear. Make me see, Mm -hmm. is he changing? Is he playing a game? You know, and, and that takes time. Like, I walked away feeling completely at peace with every step that I took. And I still feel that. And I feel like it's because I took that time and was patient, even though I think I knew, I mean, deep down, I knew that it wasn't going to work. But I just, for me, that was the key of not having any kind of regret or questioning. I don't ever look back over my shoulder and think, you know, what if I didn't wait long enough? Or what if I didn't do this? Or what yeah. if he just needed more time? I never felt that way. And I think it, for me, it was because I took, I took that time, started working on myself, seeing if I could stay, um, putting it through the lens of like, can't, can I stay with this person and exercise my gifts freely? Can I be who I want to be as a reflective of God and not get in trouble when I come home? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Are there going to be negative consequences for me? being who God made me to be with this person. And unfortunately for me, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't be who God created me to be with that spouse. Yeah. I love that. I think that's great advice. 
I had a counselor told me, um, she said, you know, make that decision when you know for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, and not before. And, and it, that was, I thought it was good advice and it, it did make me wait a lot longer too. I waited a lot longer. I mean, looking back, you know, I wish I would have left sooner, but, uh, but like you, I also don't have any regrets. I, I know that I, I did not leave one single stone unturned. In fact, I, uh, I turned over every stone multiple times just to make sure, <laughs> just to make sure there <laughs> yes. wasn't something salvageable under there. And there was nothing. And that's when I finally filed. And, and then once I filed, it was like, like you were talking about this sharp weight. It was like a huge weight lifted. And I really did also feel free. I just felt like I felt the pleasure of God on me. Like I was finally walking in alignment with God's, yes. with God's yes. will for my life. It was a yes. beautiful thing. And then no, nobody could change my mind. Nobody. I mean, people could slander me, malign what I did, say that God was against me. And I was just like so confident you know, how can they know? They can't possibly know what God is telling you to do, you know? It, and my dad's a, a pastor. <laughs> so I, you know, my family was a huge, you know, they were very, you stay together no matter what. And um, God's been really good because it was, you know, I had to face that. I'm like, okay, like they're, they're going to disown me. But I just, I couldn't let it go. It was like, I knew where God was calling me and I just I had to go. And I was like, okay, well, it's everything, it's everything, but I still get Jesus. <laughs> but yes. um, that was good. My, my, my parents didn't talk to me for about 24 hours. And then my, my dad called me and said, he calls me sugar. He goes, sugar, I don't, I don't know what to tell you other than that God's moving in my heart. And he goes, I, I don't, I've completely changed my mind. We need to talk. I love you. I support you. I mean, it was, it was great. It's probably the closest my parents and I have ever been actually. That is absolutely incredible. So it can feel like you're going to lose everything. I mean, I'm a worst case scenario person, so I prepared to lose everything. And I felt like God has really blessed it and not put me through that. Um, But getting my family back was huge because he he intentionally, my ex actually intentionally created drama. And I didn't figure this out after we separated. And like he was creating fights between my family and I so that we wouldn't communicate. Um, That's been really, that's been a big blessing. That's wonderful. Catherine, thank you so much for taking some time to come on here and answer our questions. And we, we probed quite a bit. And um, I just think that your testimony is going to be a huge encouragement to a lot of people. So thank you. Yes. Well, thank you for, for your work and being open and vulnerable with all of us because it, it takes all of us to be that way to make change. That's right. We're in this together. All right, and the rest of you who are listening, until next time, fly free.